coming up in today's episode. There must be a proper guide to allow the caregivers be um, given the same rights and recognition as an employee. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Doctorpreneur's Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Pranos Podcast, the show that's at the intersection of health, aging, and entrepreneurship. I am uh, Dr. Lim. I'm the CEO of Jasper Healthcare. And with me is co-host Andrew Mastrandonas, CEO of Pillar Healthcare. And today we are going to talk about caregiving with a very seasoned veteran in the caregiving industry and aged care industry. His name is none other than Fong Manto. Uh, we'll discuss the ins and outs of caregiving in Malaysia. Welcome, Manto. Hi. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Lim. And uh, hi, Andrew. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Um, we're going to cover four areas, basically. Understanding caregiving and its misconceptions, resources and support for caregivers, and caregiving industry in general. Um, and sort of some what I call the caregiving dilemma, being a caregiver while trying to meet sort of the really demanding needs of the elderly and their families. So I want to start out with a very basic question that I think trips up a lot of people. How do you define caregiving or being a caregiver? Well, caregivers generally is someone who is giving care to someone who is in need, whether they have physical, medical, or mental need. Now, of course, it could be elderly. It could be also, uh, you know, the, the special needs like the uh, autistics, uh, Down syndromes, or even younger kids who are special needs. So caregiving is a very general term. Anyone who give care. So it could be a professional. It could be uh, the brothers and sisters. It could be the children. So anyone who provide cares, including your neighbor who come over to your house half a day and to take care of you or buy some food for somebody, that is also a caregiver. Yeah, and but I think uh, today, I guess the focus will be more on aged care, right? Since uh, this is uh, what we are seeing, like the aged care, uh, silver, silver tsunami, right? Aged <laughs> care, the needs is growing in Malaysia. Yes. Yeah, so... There are, I believe, there are a lot of um, misconceptions of what caregivers do, right? Like in Malaysia, we expect like to hire a Indonesian maid and then get them to do everything, right? And <laughs> <laughs> taking care of the house, taking care of the the, the dogs and uh, and cats, and also at the same time caring for a sick old person in, in in the house. I mean, that doesn't really work, right? Mantu, what do you think? Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. Andrew, that, that's a really interesting point. Why do Malaysians seem to think that maids are caregivers? Uh, I, I think we want a slave. We actually don't want a maid. We want a slave. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's cheap who can do everything. In, in fact, I have a lots of conversation and one of the most conversations... Sla slavery is outlawed here, right? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it just, is outlawed here. It is outlawed, okay. <laughs> but, but I think that is what... Um, in a lot of my conversation, when people call me up, Mantoa, I need uh, some caregivers. Can you know somebody? I say, of course. I know Pillars. I know Andrew. I know so many people who can do that. Also. So they say, then I ask you, do you have a caregiver who is caring for your, for whom? Oh, for my mom. Oh, how big is your mom? My mom is 70 kg. Oh, how old? 80. And uh, do you have a maid? Oh, she ran away. Is this the first one who ran away? No, la, the last two also ran away. I say, why? Oh, I, they said, oh, because they, I don't know, they, maybe they're lazy. No, I said, are they the only one who care for your mom? She said, yes. 24-7? Yes. Hello, friend. Even I will run away. <laughs> yeah. So the, the idea is, people 
uh, are caught uh, with a situation whereby I think financially in Malaysia is not very rich. I just did uh, read the uh, Department of Statistics latest report. Do you know what is highest in- uh, household income in Malaysia? No idea. KL, 10,550 ringgit. So if a household can earn, you know, uh, based on 1.8 uh, people working. Yeah? That's so the, uh, average. That's an average, no, right? That's not the highest. That's the highest. That's the uh, highest. highest average. Highest, highest average. average. Okay, Mo- right. Monthly. Monthly, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, now average uh, average entire country, okay, everybody else is uh, about 5,000. 5,000? 5? Okay. 5,000, 5. All right. So that, which means uh, basically financially, um, we cannot afford to pay a lot for people to take care of our parents. Mm-hmm. What is the range that you see people are paying for that kind of caregiving service for the elderly? Uh, generally, now is a uh, Take away the maid, okay. Let's look at professionals, okay. Um, anything between three thousand and above, and uh, of course the terms and conditions are very straightforward. Yeah. You work maximum sixteen hours. Please give them eight hours to sleep. They work six day week because they still ha- uh, they are still a human being. They still need a life. So, but they want them to work seven days and uh, sixteen hours plus plus, or anytime my mother get up and go to the toilet, you know. But if your income's five thousand ringgit a month, that's a lot of money. Yes, that's a lot of money. We should explain why Malaysians are, okay, just now I was just being cheeky talking about slavery and all those things, but financially, most family cannot afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming that I am uh, in, my, in my prime working, my household is 10,500 ringgit, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pay 3,000 for, for, for to take care of my mom, and then I'm left with 7,000 for my wife, okay? If my wife gets anything less than 3,000 from me, she will run amok, isn't it? And then my children, education, uh, cars, house, everything else. So, it is not a lot of money to talk about. Oh, by the way, Selangor is only eight thousand seven hundred. Okay, okay. So uh, that it goes down and it got worse. And um, I did up to number seven states who can afford it mm-hmm. six thousand five hundred Melaka. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rest I don't need to see anymore. Mm-hmm. L- let me ask you, talking about caregiving, yep. not really nurses or healthcare professionals, but caregivers of the elderly, mm. is that a profession? Here in Malaysia, do you consider it a profession? And should it be a more of a profession regulated, say, by the government? It should be. It should have, uh, just like the doctors, they have the medical council. The nurses have the nurses council. I think caregivers should be given a council by themselves and mm-hmm. uh, with a certain skill sets that is probably uh, up to the level of nursing aides or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, now they can do more because of technology. So they can. Mm-hmm. So they should be have a council of caregivers, not an association, but a council of caregivers. Who would run that council? How would that be done? Uh, you should be the best person. <laughs> no, I would think, I would think, uh, I mean, on a serious note, I would think probably it should come under the Ministry of Health uh, or, mm. or the Welfare Department. Uh, but if it's going to be more of a professional caregiving, I guess it should fall under the purview of the Ministry of Health. But we yeah. don't have any laws and acts or any provision uh, specifically uh, on the matter of caregivers. Uh, no, nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all at this point. Yeah, so traditionally, uh, what has happened is uh, we have been hiring mates from Philippines, Indonesia, yes. some some countries from Indo- Indochina, yes. pay them less than 2,000 ringgit a month, yep. and uh, expect them to come in as domestic helpers and kind of do everything. Yes. So that, that leads back to the whole, like what you were saying, running away issue. Yep. I mean, how, how can you expect? I mean, at the end of the day, you are you are very lucky if you can get a, a very efficient, very hardworking uh, domestic helper. Mm. Uh, and if you overwork them, like all other human beings, uh, they have the tendency to run away. They'll give up. You know, like, mm. it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard. 
and uh, I'm working seven days a week and, and I'm only getting paid less than 2,000 ringgit and the expectations are so high. Mm. So, but, but using a maid in that fashion is also a risk to the elderly patients. Absolutely, because they're not trained. So hence, like when you brought up the, the idea of having like a caregiving council, which Manto concurs, I think that's a brilliant idea because we, we need to start viewing caregivers as uh, uh, professionals, as, a, uh, as, a, as trained professionals rather than mm. just anyone that can do it. Of course, we have family members, family caregivers, but again, those belong to a, a different category because when yeah. you're caring for your own family members, yeah. it's very different from when you're caring for somebody else. So, Correct. So I, I do believe it's an up-and-coming industry. Like I said, it's a silver tsunami. You know, the needs are growing greater. Mm. The population is aging. We really do need some form of like f- format or some form of structure towards the whole professional caregiving site, yeah. Yes. So, so to wrap up this section of discussion, what else should various stakeholders do, whether it's government or communities and others, do to bring more awareness to caregiving and the needs in this industry? Well, of course, the government must first recognize caregivers as a profession by setting on it and then uh, setting up a council. I, I agree, it has to be under the Ministry of Health. Then training and certification should be, uh, you know, uh, should be given at mm-hmm. what level we have to decide. Now, we already have courses for nursing aides. Would that be sufficient? Mm-hmm. So, I think um, certain structure is already in place, like the training programs uh, is already in place, but the recognition is not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I also came across like uh, these uh, vocational training institutes, right, under mm-hmm. the under the JPK. Yeah, Japatan Pembangunan Kemahiran. Yeah, yes. they also have caregiving programs, right? Yes. Is it, is it something that is uh, uh, widely aware among Malaysians? Uh, we know that this kind of program mm. exists and um, how would people enroll for this kind of uh, training programs? Okay. Um, and, and actually, this SKM uh, program is under, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm registered under the uh, Ministry of Health, uh, under JPK. And yeah, I that's why I know my, about JPK yeah, <laughs> because I of you. Level five of uh, the aged care opera, uh, operators, uh, we call uh, diploma is higher certification. Mm-hmm. Now to do that, um, you you have to be have a pusat petaule a accredited center, mm-hmm. and of course there are certain rules and which are quite tight. Mm-hmm. Okay, of course there is another model called the SLDN, which I am actually currently discussing with Jabatan uh, Kebajikan, the Welfare Department, to explore. Expanding the SLDN format for every people, a person where they don't need to sit down all the time. Only maybe ten percent theory, twenty percent theory, but eighty percent over a period of twelve months to fourteen months, doing practical. After that, they will get certified. So I think it's a very good idea to do the um, SKM uh, level three. They start with level three, um, and the rationale is very simple. Uh, anyone who cannot do uh, cannot do level one and two, you know, it's no point having a caregiver. So they set quite a high bar for a professional caregiver. Yeah, hold on. Uh, before Andrew jumps in with another question, can you just uh, explain what SLDN stands for? Uh, okay, Scheme Latihan Dual National. Okay, in other words, okay, two, uh, um, the traditional is academic, la, 80% theory, 20% uh, Practical. Okay. SLDN is Scheme Latihan Dual Dual uh, National. I know in uh, that's the English word in the whole Malay phrase. Okay. Uh, and it means that eighty percent of the training will be practical, twenty percent or less will be, uh, what you call academic, the theory right. lah. Rightly so, because uh, caregiving, I think, is something very hands-on. Yes. Yeah, Andrew, you wanted to ask something. 
Yeah, well, I wanted to move on to our second topic, which is sort of resources and support for caregivers. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of resources or tools do you think are missing currently in Malaysia that would make caregivers' lives and profession better? What, what, What don't they have right now? Well, we have a lot of things, but we have it in bits and pieces. I think the first thing is we don't have, um, at the moment, some body or some organization or some corporate, whether it's government or uh, private, to bring all the necessary knowledge and skills together. For example, yes, they, we have lots of caregivers already. Uh, two, like it's just now we mentioned about professionalism. Three, about training. Then, of course, uh, in recognition, uh, they must be not, there must be a proper guide to, to allow the caregivers be, uh, given the same rights and recognition as an employee. For example, you get the 14 days leave, uh, your eight hours overtime and everything else. But at this particular point, it is more of a private negotiation between um, the client and the caregiver or the organization. Oh, I can do this. Uh, so a lot of things are missing in the link and most important, a minimum wage. Yeah, it, it's sort of this whole issue that's going on in various parts of the world about the gig economy, like grab drivers mm-hmm. or Uber mm-hmm. drivers, mm-hmm. where they're freelance and they're not mm. employees. They don't get all the benefits mm. similar to what caregivers face. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. I, I think we should have uh, an app <laughs> To do that, and of course, they must be registered, just like a Grab driver registered with JBJ, mm-hmm. the, the um, Jabatan Pengangkutan, Transport mm-hmm. Ministry. I think a caregiver registered with a council can join an app mm-hmm. and uh, provide with a service, and the clients can rate them how good they are. So people can search for a good caregiver, pop, ah, who's five-star mm-hmm. in Kuala Lumpur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. How does the Malaysian government view caregiving in elderly care in general, where is it kind of in the framework of what they care about? Uh, Caregiving. (laughs) Uh, The Malaysian government, uh, at this point, it's not because they don't care, but their focus is actually at the B40 level Mm -hmm. uh, because the care is given to a ministry called uh, the Ministry of Women, uh, family, development. Uh, family Development and Welfare and Society. Uh, for, and, uh, for us, for us uh, foreigners, B forty means the lower lower. B for, yeah, the, I mean you know there's a hundred uh, hundred people. Uh, so 20, top twenty is T twenty, M forty is the you not know, the eighty percent to the forty percent, and the B forty will be the one below. <laughs> so I I think one one other thing is that the job of uh, taking care of people are given to someone who is looking after the social community welfare. So they're always looking at the B40. Now the struggle is not at the B40 level, but the struggle for most caregivers and most family members are between the mid, the M40, the 40%, or even to a certain extent, the top first 10% of the T20. Mm-hmm. Why, are, why are wealthier people struggling? Uh, do, do you know that uh, if you are earning 10,000 income individually, you are on the top, 90, top 10% of the population? So that is our statistics is somehow warped, you know. So, uh, not the statistics is warped. Actually, the income is warped. Yeah. Uh, so, so. And but but to answer your question, I guess what Mantu is trying to say is uh, those in the B forty actually they get a lot of aid, yeah. right? Yeah, financial aid, all, all forms of aid from the government. Yeah. But uh, the moment when you cross into M forty, you're not exactly very wealthy, right? Even even when you use the word middle income, I would think middle income would apply to the higher M forty. 
M40s and the yes. lower T20, right, in Malaysia, in this context, right? So these people, they don't qualify for any kind of uh, government subsidies uh, or sponsorship. And yet they also face the same issues of having someone elderly at home, you know, uh, to, to, to pay for, to pay the caregiver for. So therefore, it's, it, it, it is a struggle. It is a, a challenge, especially for the M40 and the lower T20 uh, group that we are seeing, yeah. And I would imagine today with more families where both parents need to work and they have an elderly parent, mm. uh, that's become an issue in the last several years. Uh, I mean, from a personal experience, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, I'm a rascal of a son. Actually, I'm glad my parents are no longer around because I was struggling with my kids. Uh, two kids, you know, are going to uni and my parents are needing more care mm -hmm. and uh, my finances was being drained off. And there was at one point... Uh, I was doing something else uh, in between jobs. So it was a strain. My wife was not working. Mm -hmm. So uh, okay, I cannot say my wife is not working. Huh? <laughs> that one is a dangerous statement. <laughs> She's a CEO. Okay, but here's the, po the point is, it is a strain for those who are you know, as almost over 35 and yeah. below 60 yeah. who are still having parents on both ends yeah. you know, and children on one end, mm -hmm. parents on the other end. So I think it's, uh, it's a struggle. And and to also to also uh point this out right like the the nucleus family well not so much nucleus family I guess the family size in general in Malaysia is shrinking, and uh, you know during my my parents or my grandparents era they used to have like six to ten siblings so if if dad gets sick you know a couple of siblings can just quit their job, mm. uh you know become a full time caregiver for for the parent and and the rest of the siblings can uh, continue working to support the expenses mm. of of uh of them. But now the family is getting smaller. We have like one child, two children, three, four is considered quite a number nowadays. Yeah. So it's not easy now that, that someone can actually take take a step back and, and become a full-time caregiver. So, so that's why the professional services are, are becoming more and more in demand yeah. uh, nowadays. You know, just on the statistics, uh, I, haven't, I was looking for the same statistics you're mentioning about uh, mm -hmm. Children and the family, family size. size. Yeah. Do you know that Chinese? Uh, okay, this is an older one based on the not this current uh, uh stats, but a bit older. Mm -hmm. The Chinese uh, replacement is uh point one point zero only. Every two they get one. Indian is about zero point nine, and yeah. Malay surprisingly are at two point two. You're talking about birth rate, lah. Birth rate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So so the replacement rate for all all sector is uh basically below par. Uh, the Chinese, we are not even replacing ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I can say this because I'm Chinese, right? <laughs> but like Chinese generally, I think we, we are a little bit more calculative in the sense whereby we want to make sure that uh, we are able to raise the child, yeah. give them a good education and uh, and all these concerns. Sometimes it becomes, I, mean, I know it, it sounds like a responsible thing to do, but sometimes it becomes a hindrance to actually, you know, build or, or build a family or, or have children. So, in a way, you can say it's like sounds like the responsible thing to do, but but also it, it could be also a backdoor, like an excuse to not have children or to not have too many children right. among Chinese. Yeah, so so I, I am in the phase. I am going through that phase now. You know, of deciding to, whether to start a family. That's why I can kind of relate. Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's uh, discuss a little bit of a touchy issue, and that is finding caregivers. Obviously, there's companies like Pillar or others. There's freelancers you can get on Facebook online find caregivers, but there are there's some pool of local caregivers, and then there's this other pool that are not local caregivers. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an issue, obviously, and there's a balance there. How do, we, how, do we, how do we address this moving forward? Yeah. Well, I guess let me just maybe 
expand a little bit on this. Um, it when it comes to local care, like okay, when it comes to caregiving in general, many people don't realize, but caregiving is actually a three D job, right? So it's dirty, it's dangerous, it's difficult because you're dealing with the a human life, you're dealing with their emotions, you're dealing with their human waste. All these are the reality of uh, of being a caregiver. Unfortunately, in Malaysia, we have not really seen maybe because it's not categorized as a profession. But it is, in fact, a very noble profession, right? Yeah. I'm sure you all agree. We, we're not seeing many local Malaysians stepping up to the task and, and becoming, uh, taking up the challenge or, or taking up a career path in becoming caregivers. So a lot of local caregivers we see are actually, like what Manto you mentioned just now, nurses or nursing aides. Yeah. That, 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 you know, they, they become private nurses or, or private caregivers at home. Uh, and, and we know that the cost is, when it comes to hiring a local, they, they, they calculate by, by per hour, right? Yeah. It's definitely not the 3,000 ringgit you mentioned just no, now a month. You can't get them no. for 3,000 ringgit, right? And then now we have a void whereby the, the foreigners come in and, and, and fulfill the need, right? Mm. So, and your question was about finding these caregivers. How do you locate them? Maybe Manto, you can share some insights on what you understand on all these things. How is uh, it going on? Okay. I think the local, the, the question is, the first is, why locals don't go into this? And I get people complain. Oh, locals are not uh, passionate. They don't care for people. So I ask them one question. Okay, you are parents. Would you let your son to take up a nursing aid course or not? And be a caregiver? You just tell me. If you say yes, my, then that question is valid. If you know, then please don't ask this question. Um, my son is in the same profession. So, mm-hmm. uh, so was my daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I allow them to do it because I think it's a, Yes, you're not going to be super rich like at the doctor, uh, doctors, lawyers, or engineers, mm-hmm. but it's a noble profession. You help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now, why we need to look, uh, the foreigners? Because the foreigners, they are willing to work. I, I, I mean, let's face it. We all are between the locals and the foreigners. Okay. Mm-hmm. The look, foreigners, they are uh, not as qualified, but they work twice as hard and they can take on any jobs. So they don't mind working 24 hours, 48 hours straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, things, the hours they do, uh, I've seen them. They're crazy. I think if I do 24 hours, I won't be functioning for the next 48 hours. Yeah. So I, I think um, the foreigners, they are more desperate for the job and they need it. And they whatever we get, like the 3,000, 4,000 or 5,000 mm-hmm. is a very good price for them. Yeah. Whereas we Malaysians, we're looking at minimum, you know, f- uh, four, five, six, seven or eight yeah. just to do a care job. You see? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not here to defend the foreigners, but what I'm seeing right now as mm. uh, an entrepreneur you know, from a from a objective perspective, mm. there is a demand for caregivers that the local supply, the local market is not fulfilling, mm. and 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 then you you criticize the foreigners for coming in and take up this job. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the locals don't even want to go into this industry at the first place. So not to defend mm. the foreigners, but I think there is a, a gap, a void that is currently being filled by the foreigners and. And yeah, that's just how it is when it comes to Isn't part education. of the problem that for caregivers, there's no real career track? I mean, maybe you don't want to be changing people for the rest of your life. You want to do something beyond that at some point in your career. That's a very, that's a very good question, actually. And uh, it's a question that's very close to my heart because like, we operate a chain of nursing homes and we also do face uh, uh, topics like this that comes up, like um, how can we... How can we ensure that caregivers or nurses working in nursing homes can have a career path? And unfortunately, at this point, I, I don't think I have an answer. Uh, maybe Manto, you can okay. provide with... Uh, Do you know the career path, uh, to, to answer is that, is the career path is not in Malaysia. 
Okay, so <laughs> the, okay, let me explain that to you all. Is that many years ago when I first did my first caregiver program? Uh, after that, you know, I find it so hard to get locals to to take up take up the cost, mm-hmm. even at uh, almost sponsored by the churches or whatever. They still don't want to take it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, but my You're selling about point, locals, right? Locals, yeah. locals, and uh, I'm, I told them my selling point was this. I told them once you graduate with the S. Uh, this certificate, the, t- the time mm-hmm. I was doing the open university program, mm-hmm. that was about three years, four years back, you are classified as level three of certificates. Mm-hmm. And with this same certificate, you can work in Australia. And by the way, Australia is paying 20 Aussie dollars per hour. Now that woke, that woke them up. Okay. And uh, they say, Hey, that's not too bad. Malaysia, how much you get? Seven ringgit, eight ringgit, nine ringgit, ten ringgit, fifteen ringgit, you know, but that's, 20. So immediately I can see their face, you know, wow. mm-hmm. and the people call me up, oh, 20 Aussie dollars per hour. Yes, but they have a rule, five days week, eight hours max. I ah, don't worry, we can always book somewhere else. Ma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so immediately they see 160 Aussie dollars times three, which is almost 500 ringgit a day. Mm-hmm. Now that so that got I got thirteen of them just come join the class. Okay, eight of uh five of them still in the industry. Uh, one of them started their own center, and of course some drop off lah. So I think uh we have to tell them, look, you this thing is worldwide recognized, and then we have to give them an international bigger professional outlook. So not mm-hmm. just oh you are professional in Malaysia, no, you are professional in UK, US, Singapore. Yeah, the the difference between the career path of a nursing home uh, uh nurse or a nursing home caregiver is they can always become the, the supervisor or they can always become a, uh. a manager, a regional manager or or they can go out and open up their their nursing homes. But with caregivers, I I do agree with you like the prospect seems to be uh, either you are you're happy with this kind of pay scale f- mm. for long term, just like the gig, gig economy workers you were mentioning, uh, like the grab drivers, drivers and, uh, yeah. yeah, and and the food panda, the delivery people, uh, going into a new market like overseas, like Japan, uh, Taiwan, they have yeah. demand for all these kind of caregivers now because of the aging population worldwide. I think this is something that we have not effectively communicated to prospective caregivers that may want to take up take this up as a career. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, is, is it just mm-hmm. communication or is it that our governments working collaboratively so that if you're trained here in Malaysia as a caregiver, you can work in Japan or Australia or somewhere else? Uh, I don't know if people com- really understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they never communicated this one. It's ideal. What you proposed, I think that's a really great idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, we, we don't see any collaborations that are happening. And I, I personally, I, I, I don't really put that much hope in uh, in our ministries taking yeah. the first move. So, it, it, like the whole industry basically right now is very reliant on private sector people like you and I, Andrew, to, to move things forward, to innovate, you know. But so, on the other hand, if you're a nurse, you can go to Saudi Arabia and get a job. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and or if you're a doctor, you can also, you, yeah, or Singapore. If you're a doctor, you can also go to other countries as well. Obviously, you have to pass the local licensing examination before uh, getting allowed to practice there. So, yeah, that, that's that, yeah. But I think what also one thing that hampers uh, people, uh, the local certification from going overseas is if it's, let's say, SKM, mm-hmm. it's okay. Uh, usually, most of them are conducted in Basa, okay, very limited English. Mm-hmm. So, language is one of the barriers as well for them to move abroad. But mm-hmm. we can always paint the color for them and let them decide you know, whether they want to pick up the language or not. Yeah, but, but yeah, language is probably the only boundary because caregiving yeah. is pretty universal. Yes. You train to become a caregiver in Malaysia, you, you are 
most likely going to be able to function in any English speaking uh, nation in the world right uh, away. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. And, and language barrier, you're talking about maybe like places like Japan, whereby mm. people don't really, uh, English is not really widely spoken. Yes, you need to learn their local language. But I think if you're really keen, you know, it, it should be something that can be overcome. Uh, okay. I can learn anything and everything as long as I'm paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I, I've seen people who, uh, I have friends who went to Germany to, to work as a cook. And they don't know nuts about even Basel, Malaysia. They cannot speak. Yeah. But um, they spoke German after yeah. about four years there. Okay, yeah. enough to communicate and get around. So, survival skills, yeah. Survival but, but skills. I, I, to be fair, I think the the difference between a cook and a caregiver is caregivers. You are actually dealing with the person. That's yeah. not um, person to person interaction on a daily basis. Yeah. But cook maybe more towards just interacting with your own crew in the back of the kitchen, yeah. working on the backhand. So you don't really need that much of person to person interaction to to start. Oh, the, the, the waiters, waiters. Yeah, okay, waiters, okay. yes. Yeah, also, you also waiters. Are, so, but yeah, I, I agree with that also. Uh, so, but, uh, and I would, language. I would, la. Yeah, I would also think the other probably barrier for people to come into this, coming to come into this industry is, is it's not really a sexy industry, right? It's not like technology or, like I said, mentioned it's, not, it's a 3D kind of, kind of work yeah. and uh, and it's not... 3D is never sexy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not sexy. So, it really needs... I mean, I, I guess the person that wants to come into this kind of work really has to have the right mindset and the right heart, you know, that taking this up is, is more of a, uh, a humane thing, you know, a social thing, not just for the money. I mean, money is important, but this person also must be able to understand that, that it's it, a lot comes from like working from the heart, working as a, as, as a humane profession rather than just, a, uh, you know, just a, a, a job, right? Yeah. But isn't it sort of sad that for a group of people, the elderly who cannot really function on their own any longer and need support every day, that this whole industry is so informal and government doesn't recognize it and put in any resources to to make this a okay. a more professional industry, given that it's so important? I mean, these are the people that raised us, that supported us, that sent us to school, and this is how we treat them. But uh, okay, uh, to be fair, the government are thinking of doing something. Okay, um, but let's look at uh, the uh, the caregivers for the 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 child, the child caregivers. That particular industry for kindergarten took almost fifteen to twenty years to develop to a to a recognizable stage, which of course now is at thirty five years, thirty forty five years to be where it is together, where everyone must be certified. Anyone who opens a uh, center must be uh, attend a one month course, you know everything else. So we are like thirty years back from the beginning. They have plans, but their struggle will be: uh, can I impose this plan on the center? Now, if I don't, if I impose, will they be able to meet it? If they don't meet it, like the question is, what can we do to them? And um, one of these ans- question was answered by very nicely by uh, uh, Topuan, uh, the former pengarah of uh, of the Ministry of Health, uh, about four or five years back. Someone asked this question: Why don't you organize it? Make it very professional. Make sure it's illegal to close it down. She asked the back the operator this question: Who posed this question? Tell me, what do you want me to do with the 30,000 people I'm going to kick out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, and everybody was silenced. And that, that was from the Ministry of Health. It really makes sense. You know, what can you do? 
So this is top one, so, Doctor Safuraja. Yes, oh, uh, she's she's wait, wonderful. Wait, wait. Yeah. So, so is this a different situation compared to opening the daycare centers and regulating them compared to the elderly care centers? Uh, the regulations are they're using the same regulations actually. So my question is, why is it different for elderly care centers in terms of being able to do this as compared to the daycare centers for children? Okay. Daycares are more sexy, okay, and it's dealing with kids are much more fun, you know. And it's uh, you know, a, a six-year-old kid, five, three years, four years, five years-old kids are much more prettier than uh, seventy or a wrinkled skin, uh, <laughs> grumbling, uh, growling, uh, people with dementia, you know, asking you the same question. So that is a and difference. I suppose they go home to their parents too at some. Ah, point. yes, that's true. Okay, that is a very good point. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think the other thing is is we kind of didn't see the gravity of the situation, like back in the like in Singapore, for example, mm. they know that they are going to age soon. Mm. So in 1999, they came up with a policy saying that okay, if you open up a nursing home, you will get a government subsidy of the amount of money. We're going to help you get everything properly set up and properly regulated, properly recognized. So they actually went through that phase. So when 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 they actually go into the whole aging population, um, it, they didn't really have a crisis because they were set up to prepare for that to come. So they have now the HDB flats uh, also doubling up as an assisted living yep. centre. They have the whole complex, retirement complex in Kampung Admiralty with commercial yeah. uh, lots below to cater mm. for the elderly needs. Yep. And they also have abundance of nursing homes over there. With our side, I think we... we were we, we thought it wouldn't hit us that hard, right? And it hasn't hit us very hard yet right now. But the thing is, if we just continue to let this drift down, kick, if we just continue to kick the can down the road mm. and expecting a miracle to happen, it will bite us in the backside very uh, soon. I mean, we're already seeing stories about people leaving their elderly on the curb. I mean, I just read that recently. Yes. So mm. it, and maybe it's not a crisis, but there is anecdotal evidence that it's, it's starting up. to happen. It's coming up. It's coming up. And if it's not properly addressed and it's not properly uh, uh, in a very systemic, in a very structural way mm. to, to, to pave this industry forward, I think we're just going to see more and more uh, difficulties and, and we'll be very reactive in terms of policy making when but, it comes uh, to that. But I also have to uh, add on a bit of correction there. Actually, mm-hmm. um, in 1947, the British, before they left, um, they actually draw up, they have foresaw in 50 years, that will be the Malaysia we are in today. So they actually draw up plans uh, in 1947 uh, about aging and things that need to move forward. Okay. But halfway through, of course, uh, when after independence, a lot of things change, uh, politics change. So everybody was very upbeat, young looking, looking at growth and other things. They forgot about this. So it is not exactly a new thing. It has been foreseen uh, like 70 years ago by the Brits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, unfortunately... We started out now very late. Now we're only talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, I, I, and I must say, although we are talking about it, we are talking about a lot of wrong conversation. Okay. Uh, one of the wrong conversations we are talking about is retirement village. Uh, one of the wrong conversation is uh, no, uh, 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 that giving a theme to a place to be a retirement place. No, I think that is a wrong conversation altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, they only focus on diverting us to another area. But the real issue is other people, which you rightly pointed out. And and uh, I think the conversation needs to come back on track. What do we do with this 15% of elderly over, uh, over 60 in 10 years' time? Mm-hmm. Okay, can we? Is a nursing home enough? Is caregivers enough? What are the institutions you are allowed to set up to train caregivers? Mm-hmm. Are you recognizing the caregivers? Mm-hmm. 
So the conversation uh, I've always been everything else except the basic. Mm. Uh, I think that is uh, a real challenge, and uh, I, I think that is something we have to come back to the come back here. Uh, and uh, sometimes, like we have to be at the private sector to it has to be a private sector driven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we have our challenges, but but I, I'm I'm generally still very hopeful. I, I'm still I'm still having a very positive outlook on on the whole industry. So, so thinking about this more broadly and how to move forward in the future, what is the first thing you would do? Is it this council that you described to move forward, or to at least get on the right track? What what, what would you start with? I think the first thing first is uh, we will need to do is um, for me, eh, you have to bring in the foreigners first. To stabilize the whole situation, I think that's for sure. No, I mean the foreign uh, caregivers. I mean with a certain quota, with a certain guideline, because training takes time. The immediate situation is, um, it is mentioned even two years ago by the former deputy prime minister was that we need a hundred thousand caregivers. That's two years ago, hundred thousand mm-hmm. caregivers. And how many do we have? I I I can probably I don't know how many we have. So probably count with less than. Five thousand, two thousand, three thousand. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, locally. So to meet the demand, you need foreign caregivers to stabilize the situation. Then mm-hmm. you look at the next. I mean, it has always been that kind of style. You mean create a legal process for bringing through a legal process? Yeah, yes, we, we don't have a visa or permit category in Malaysia that is that is a caregiver permit or caregiver visa. We only have the domestic helpers, which is the the, the mates that we we know or cleaners or, or cleaners, and then we have all the way. Up to the professional visas, visa category, yeah, mm. the expats. So, so we but, don't have something in between. But isn't categories. it odd that you have these professional, you have these visa categories for, for maids and other helpers, and cleaners, and you don't have it for caregivers. We don't have it yet. That's the matter of fact. But isn't, yeah. that, isn't that kind of odd? Well, they left it at two thousand and nine. In two thousand, they used to have it where I think the the quota was every two locals you have you get one foreigners. Uh, a foreigner and uh, but in 2009 they stopped the whole issuing of that that sector so until now uh, there's none coming in so because this does not seem like an industry where foreigners are taking jobs from locals yeah like I mentioned just now I think many locals are not really taking up the jobs that are available in the industry meeting the demand so we, we do like, I do agree we do need a stopgap measure which is to have the foreigners come in and you know handle the Handle the the current care situation now. I and and I foresee the trend moving forward would a lot would be a lot. There will be a lot more demand in terms of uh home care. So somebody, so caregiver comes to the home, to to care for for the old old person because at the end of the day, culturally, you know, and Manto always says this: if you have a choice, don't go to a nursing home. But uh, but many in in many circumstances they they really don't have a choice because they the the elderly person's ill they have to work and all these other things and um just just um just having this trend alone and not having the the supply to meet that 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 demand of uh upcoming home care requirements i think it's going to create uh first of all i think it's going to be pretty chaotic and that's i'm talking about the home care yep. and even on the nursing home side right uh we recently with the whole COVID situation, I, mean, I do understand the government is shorthanded and basically they are just indiscriminately recruiting. Okay, maybe it's not fair to say indiscriminately, but they are recruiting many nursing home uh, workers or, or caregivers or, or, or nurses 
back to back into their system, back into the government system. Therefore, leading leaving us with with severe shortages, you know, nationwide, and this is something that if there is a legal process of bringing in foreigners, can be also a a good you know way of overcoming this kind of manpower issue. That, that we have right now, yeah. Okay, let's say we could do that. We could fix the supply issue, bring in more legal caregivers. What I heard Munto talk about earlier is that we have an ability to pay problem. So we have to solve that problem as well. Malaysians can't seem to afford it generally. Yeah, uh, that one, that I think that uh, is a bit harder to fix because uh, it's not under our control. But uh, what the government can do, of course, is to... Uh, Making the visas reasonable to come in because you know to bring a maid in it costs how much uh, the day I just checked was about almost twenty k eighteen eighteen nineteen k it's five figures yeah well, it was mm. like ridiculous you know just to bring it in for one uh, for two years mm-hmm. under that you have to renew or for whatever fee it has to be mm-hmm. so so and in between of course there were a lot of middlemen you know uh, who made some money uh, from the home country to Malaysia mm-hmm. so perhaps if you can reduce the cost then the the cost of the caregiver will be cheaper. Yeah, uh, I, I do think caregivers, uh, because of the responsibility that comes, uh, we need to look into their pay scale. Yeah. Like it can't be, because right now, you know, the pay scale for Indonesian mates is still below 2,000 and for Filipino mates is below 2,000. And if we are bringing, in them, uh, bringing them in under a caregiver permit, maybe they need to have some pre-qualification, right? Yes. To, to have some caregiver background and knowledge. Yep. And uh, if they do have those kind of pre-qualification, I do think that they should... Uh, be able to command a higher pay. And for me as a Malaysian employer, if I know that what I'm hiring is not just a maid out from some village, but it's someone that it has gone through some form of training and certification that can that can be able to provide caregiving, caregiving services, I would mm. be uh, I, w- I would be quite willing to pay a little bit more mm. than than what we currently pay the domestic helpers. So I I I do think it makes sense. Like if you want me to pay more, I I'm expecting uh a uh, higher level of products or services mm. that that's coming from you, uh, to to be able to justify, you know, why why I'm I have to pay this person more and not just get a maid. Mm. So I think this this is some awareness that that is still not really uh, common in in Malaysia yet. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. I I I feel like Malaysian consumers don't necessarily understand or have been communicated to the value of a caregiver, particularly if they have training. They mm-hmm. sort of see them as a maid in a lot of ways. Yeah, that goes back to the council of uh, caregivers because there is, if there's no controlling body, you don't know whether that uh, that person is registered. But if like a nurse, we can always check, you know, that this person is valid. That doctor is true. Uh, this one. So I think it goes back to the recognition body so that that's where we start the whole process. Maybe uh, perhaps uh, we have to go with that as well. So Yep. Well, uh, it, it sounds like a great idea, but let me just maybe ask you a more loaded question in this sense. Um, we know that having a council is great, but do you know how can we go about to set up this kind of council? What is the process involved? Uh, it's, it's, the process is not going to be easy. Of yeah. course, there has to be, number one, <laughs> an act. That, yeah. that says, uh, first of all, so the whole process of getting an act, it can be get up very fast. I mean, just like the uh, 802. Uh, at the Akta Lapan Kosongdua for the uh, private aged care healthcare facilities, facilities uh, yeah. you got up quite fast actually considering mm-hmm. which most acts takes years so you have to get an act out to get the guidelines out so uh, that whole process will take about 5 years 6 years mm-hmm. at, at best because uh, 802 started in 2014 2015 
So until now, they haven't got the guidelines out. So, but they they were enacted in March 2018. Yeah, enacted. Yeah, but the the guidelines are not yeah. out yet. So that's right. another five years. So they give themselves five years to get a guide. So what what yeah. would be faster, creating this council or getting some kind of visa program for caregivers? A visa will be faster. Yeah, but I I still think the visa program will also involve some amendment law of law and all this kind of uh, legal um, process as well. Not much compared to uh, because we already have uh, you know f- uh, we are hiring foreign workers. We are already allowing them in. Okay, it's just opening a sector. So does does down the question if if we open the sector, which council uh, uh, which ministry is the one who, who opens the sector? Okay, I've gone through the mills and uh, <laughs> uh, nobody seems to be able to tell me the answer. But I finally. Guess okay. Finally, conclude in my uh, little limited mind is the Japatan Kebajikan, uh, the or the Ministry of uh, Fa- Women uh, Fa- yeah. Development and Family. The reason is like this: I went to Human Resource Ministry once and met the minister. Oh, this one he says you have to go to the um, Kementerian Dalam Negeri Home Affairs. Home Affairs, which is in, uh, which oversees the Immigration Department. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and uh, and security. Okay, so they. Which is just the next block in Putrajaya. So I walk across there. Next block means another half a kilometer, lah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I walk there. They say, "Oh no, this one, ah, oh this sector we close. You have to go back to the Ministry of Health." Then Ministry of Health says, "Like this, ah, to open a sector, you have to go to the KPWKM." Now I did go to KPWKM and talk to them. They said, "Well, our focus now is to create jobs for the B40. So if they don't open." Lee says, "Okay, I need uh, let's say fifty uh, thousand uh, caregivers to come in. MOH will not give the approval. Uh, MOHR, the Human Resource, will not say yes, and uh, KDN will not say yes. The Home Affairs will not uh, um, open up as well. So, all these three are telling me somebody is in charge, but nobody is in charge. But I b- believe uh, the uh, Welfare the Ministry is the one that says yes. We need it. Stop get measure. Please open for twenty thousand. I, I think they will open." Okay. Okay. And then, of course, they have to. Uh, uh, most important is appoint who is the main license holder to bring them in. Uh. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I do see the point of uh, uh, also creating jobs for the B forty. Yes. Again, my heart uh, for me as a person being in in the aged care industry, mm. I think generally I am someone that that loves people, mm. and uh, I I do see the point of uh, creating jobs for the B forty, mm. and I I do understand that you run some form of uh, trading academy for mm. caregivers. Yeah. Is there like a Thought of kind of like proposing a collaboration with the uh, the Ministry of uh, Women Family Development and the Welfare Department to kind of like you know okay you recruit the they recruit the the B forty people and we train them you know at, through your academy is that is that is that going to be a viable option? Uh, we have a casual conversation okay and talk about it and uh, if, even the the Ministry of uh, Welfare the uh, the Welfare Department says it's very hard to get them to work uh, you know in fact. Um, I think a lot of people have this misconception that all oh, this caregivers' job must be given to B forty. Mm-hmm. So the day I was, uh, someone was telling me, "Hey, why don't you uh, take up this Panchana program mm-hmm. under the ministry mm-hmm. and teach the B forty to be caregivers?" I said, "Have you spoken to B forty or not? Mm-hmm. Have you asked them one question? What would you like to be when you grow up?" I mm-hmm. can tell you, it will be either engineers, doctors, lawyers, singers, uh, astronauts. And never the caregiver. TikTokers, YouTubers are added to the list nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you, you, YouTubers. I have a, actually <laughs> one. Actually, want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. So, the, so the question is, they ask the wrong question and making the assumption that just because you are B forty, you have to be a caregiver. Right. Uh, I think that is also another mindset that we Malaysians have to uh, wipe our brain and delete and reformat. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, then then we can start treating caregivers like the professional they are. Because if we keep thinking that they are, it's some it's a job meant for the the lower rung of the of the population. Mm. Then we can never move out from seeing caregiver as a profession yes. itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nurses used to be a, a second choice for women long time ago. The best is, of course, being a teacher. You work in the morning until two o'clock, and then you go home and spend time with the family. Then, of course, nurses is a second one, you know. Uh, so, where you can uh, get the right shift, you can take care of the family as well. Uh, but caregivers, not, it has not been, I uh, haven't that, uh, accorded that status yet. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is part of the problem. Like you mentioned, caregivers are sort of hidden, they're in the home. They're doing their job every day. It's very difficult. Mm. But few people know what really goes on except mm. people in the industry and those families who are using caregivers. The broader population, it seems to me, doesn't really know how difficult and challenging this work is and the recognition yeah. it doesn't get. Yeah, and when, when we talk about the recognition, you know, all this uh, economic value f- that is generated from caregiving does not really reflect on the GDP as well. Yeah, so, so like... Because I am caring for somebody that I am allowing my other family members to go out and, and, and consume and, and you know to contribute. My effort is not being recorded into the GDP, you know, if, if I'm not getting paid as a caregiver. So we have this kind of uh, situation. That it's is very probably real. fairly significant too in terms of the GDP. I believe so, yeah. I'm, and, and, and this is not just, talk, I'm not just talking about caregiver for the older people. I'm also talking about caregivers for, like you mentioned just now, disabled, the, yeah. the, the children, uh, special needs children, mm-hmm. and all these other things. It's definitely not reflected or not recorded in, in the economic statistics that we have. But, you know, uh, I was uh, telling people, do you know that in, in each care home, that I, I consult for and that I was telling people why I go into the aged care is because uh, at the, those more sustainable aged care centres where they charge and not the charity home. In charity home, if I because they are the lower rung, you help one person, you help one person. But in a centre that charge 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 ringgit, in other words, anyone who can afford 3,005 and 4,000 and above based on our <laughs> income structure, household, they are actually earning and being fruitful. The children are being fruitful Elsewhere, in other words, I have my uncle, eighty-year-old uncle Lee in our center. He has four children. We can take care of him for four thousand bucks. The four children are very happy. They could be running businesses. They could be uh, GMs, and creating jobs for hundreds on hundreds of workers. So when we help one person, we're actually not helping the four children. We're helping other lives. You know, so the 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 multiplier effect could be in the thousands. And and it's. These are also not reflected in our economic data as well. Uh, it's not reflected, yeah. but they didn't they didn't see it that way, is it? Mm-hmm. They everything look at account and sense, but you, you can't see it. But it's a fact. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Helping one person will help many. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's that's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, and uh, I feel that it's very sad that caregivers. In fact, today we should be declared as caregivers' day. No, no, let's do it at the proper day. We should have a caregivers' day for elderly. You know, care, and uh, we take, recognize them as a profession. Well, we have we have uh, Labor Day, we have uh, uh, we have Nurses Day, uh, we, Doctors No Day. Eh? We have a Doctors Day, but I don't know when the Doctors Day is. <laughs> and how long does it take to get a caregivers day passed here? <laughs> no, we just uh, de- declare ourselves. Self declare. <laughs> we self declare. Okay, between the three of us here, we just declare. Uh, Create today, a greeting uh, card or something. Yeah. yeah, we just print it and send it out, uh, and then just say, okay. Uh, well, probably we just announced. Please recognize everybody. Just uh, with social media. Oh, I think uh, we get uh, uh, our friend to do it for us. And uh, today is a caregivers' day on the first of April. 
<laughs> uh, that's April Fool's Day. <laughs> we don't want it to clash with it. But seriously, it's actually not a bad idea. If someone creative created a social media site, a website, mm. some yeah. kind of recognition, yeah. obviously all the caregivers would like that page and be interested. You could get some traction potentially. Yeah, and, and like uh, th- that is very true because like right now I am actually one of the administrators in a, fa- in a caregiver spot mm. group, uh, more towards uh, for dementia care on mm. Facebook. We have like what thirteen thousand members inside, and uh, people go there to talk about their feelings. People go there to ask for help. People go there to, you know, because it's it's not easy being a caregiver, and it can be pretty lonely. It can be pretty mm. distressful, and uh, and that that is like a platform for us to 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 kind of communicate with each other, to connect with each other, to help each other, and I think maybe through that platform. Launching the the caregivers day through that platform could be a very interesting idea, and uh, and all, of course all these various uh, social media platforms that that are yeah we just blast it and decide one day uh, among ourselves okay I think uh, which is a good day da, 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 okay. <laughs> and uh, make sure that it doesn't uh, clash with the gay pride day doesn't clash with uh, children's day any other day Mother's day uh, uh, shopping day uh, number eleven uh, Lazada shopping day oh uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might want to look at the Filipino holidays. Yeah, and, uh, that avoid too. Yeah. holidays as well. Many and Filipinos then, are working as caregivers. Yeah, yeah and right. also yeah, and avoid the Indonesian public holiday. So just find one good day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been a very interesting conversation. I think uh, not not enough uh, attention has been given towards caregivers and caregiving uh, and the aged care industry. And it's it's really great that today, Manto, you can come and join us and uh, to 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 talk about this. And and I know we do talk about some pretty prickly topics and and sensitive topics, but I, I think. The conversation's got to start. You know, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start talking about it. And then through the conversation, we can come up with solutions. We can come up with ideas. Like, you, you see, I just really, I really love it because we, now we came up with the idea of a caregiver's day. Maybe it already exists. We can just import it to, to Malaysia, right? Yeah, we can search it now and see whether it's a caregiver's and, day. And if we don't talk about it and we, and we don't look at it and we don't have conversations about it, we can never come up with innovations or solutions or ideas on how to move this industry forward. Because it, it's, a, it's an essential industry, Right. Andrew, do you have any final words? Well, and, and yes, some of the topics and discussions are a bit difficult, but you have to take those steps in order to move forward. Yeah. If you just sweep everything under the rug, we're never going to make any progress. So I think that's okay. Yeah. And uh, in, in general, I think um, in general, I, I, I'm still pretty hopeful. Like I mentioned just now, I, I look forward to seeing uh, more people getting involved in the industry, more ideas, more more uh, innovations that, that are going to come from all the discussions and the conversations that we have. Right. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... Okay, Manto is actually... For those that, that can't see us, Manto is actually checking his phone, uh, searching for the Caregiver's Day, International Caregiver's Day now. That is a National Caregiver's Day. Which country is it? Oh, don't tell me. Okay, natural. Okay, select page. The National <laughs> Caregivers Day is on the third Friday in the February. Honest. Okay, we forget this past already. We okay, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> do a new one, right? We're gonna do a new one. So Manto, okay. Thank first of all, thank you for for coming all the way and to speak with us uh, and having this inaugural episode of uh, Doctorpreneur. And uh, would you do you have any like last message for for uh, our listeners? I, I think my last message for all is that. Uh, do encourage people to be caregivers. First, offer yourself, then offer your children. And um, and it's a noble profession, mm-hmm. and you help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the rewards, of course, has never been seen, but I think offer yourself, offer your children, and then get other people to be a caregivers as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's a good good message to end on. Yeah, so we end on this. Thank you so much, uh, Manto. Thank you, Andrew, for spending your time here today. Uh, my name is Dr. Lim, and this is the Dr. Pranor podcast. <laughs>